Welcome to Crucial Foundations, a program that seeks the foundational truths found in Scripture for every generation. Hi there, I'm Gable. And I'm Larry. We are teachers in the Charlottesville, Virginia area. Let us open our Bibles today to seek those timely truths found in God's Word. Welcome to today's episode of Crucial Foundations. Today, we're going to be looking at the topic of the value and the danger of doubt. This foundation talking about hearing and learning God's word, truly wanting to hear, truly wanting to learn. And we want to observe that doubt in this context is not a bad thing. In fact, if you don't have doubt, you're probably not studying enough. Uh, that is a telltale sign. The first thing we want to observe also, doubt being a doorway that can lead to God. Asking honest questions in a truthful and in an honest way with the right attitude, with the right motivation, can lead to awesome truths. In the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, God communicates to Isaiah there saying, come, let us reason together, even that being an extension talking to the, the people of Israel. Uh, we want we want to be uh, discerning, as we've talked about in these uh, in these episodes, we want to reason. And so God wants us to walk by faith, but faith, by its very nature, requires examination and it requires thinking. And we're going to see a theme throughout this episode of putting in effort. We have to constantly be thinking, constantly be renewing our minds, as Romans chapter 12 tells us. And then talking about this in context of the master teacher. Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was always not only himself asking questions, but encouraging others to ask questions uh, because he wanted all men to search. We won't read over this passage in full, but in Matthew chapter 12, there's uh, two instances where Jesus says here, just in a couple of verses, have you not read? So he's talking to the Pharisees here. They obviously know the law. They've heard it all of their lives, they've learned it, they've taught it, and yet Jesus challenges what they do know and says, go back, go back and read this again. Have you not read? When we know God, truly know God, and we've talked about this in other episodes of his character of being good and just and merciful and righteous, we know all of that about God. We will not be afraid to test all things. And when doubt is handled God's way, when we know God and when we handle it the, God, the, the way God wants us to, there will be an open and an honest pursuit of light. That is that which reveals because we really want to do this and we really want to know what to do. John 7 and verse 17 tells us if anyone wants, notice there, wants to do his will. He shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Again, truth is not afraid of questions. It does not shy away. It does not shrink back uh, from honest evaluation. And I, I certainly hope that's something that we all strive for. Satan's got another approach. Satan uses doubt, but they uses doubt to shut down your mind or to keep you lazy. I find it interesting sometimes people will throw out something they express as a doubt and they've never seriously ever tried to examine it. 
I taught my children years ago that when some certain things are thrown out at you, ask, ask a question. Like, for instance, my son Stephen had a beloved teacher one time tell him, you know, the Bible's full of contradictions. And what Stephen did kindly and respectfully says, uh, teacher, can you name one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when that happened, he couldn't. He couldn't even name a contradiction. He just accepted something. Mm -hmm. Here's a doubt you accept, and then you just go ahead and do what you want to do. Now, you know what? If I was serious about serving God and somebody told me about a contradiction, I'd examine it. And I've had good, honest people enter into a study with me on alleged Bible contradictions. But you see, Satan loves doubt. He plants doubt. He wants doubt to cause you to shut your mind down and that you stay in isolation and darkness. And if somehow you want to try to examine a doubt, Satan will try to throw every roadblock in the way to keep you from honestly examining it. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, when I have a doubt, I don't hide it. I pursue answers. I want to have light. But again, one of the reasons why doubts are so easily acceptable, Gable, is that a lot of people don't really want to put in the effort mm -hmm. to study and search. Maybe a lot of people never even read their Bible, and I understand this challenge of that. And they, they just think of God in a mysterious way, and they're afraid of him. But I hope you can come to know God, and I hope you can come to understand Scripture. But Christians are challenged. They could fall back into a pattern of laziness. Here in Hebrews 6, 11, Christians should be confident. There's a great strength and conviction, and humble service to God. And here the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 6, 11, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Now here we can have confidence, we can know, we can have that, that living faith that powers our life. But now notice the danger, we can neglect our faith, verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who faith and patience inherit the promises. Doubt's a great opportunity when you take your doubt to God. When you have an open mind and your fair mind, you'll find some wonderful blessings. Yes. And kind of piggybacking off of that, of course, uh, Satan loves a lazy Christian because it makes it so easy for him to penetrate the mind. But again, what do we start with? How do we how do we combat that? Of course, we start again with God and we start with what we know about him. If you're in his word, if you have constant fellowship with him, then you know his character. And if one does not have an understanding of God, does not have a deep faith in God, then they're going to find themselves ill-equipped to handle doubt and to handle uh, questions. Hebrews chapter 11, staying in the same book there, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and it doesn't stop there, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Constant effort, constant seeking out of God, of his character, what he's given us, and that he is a rewarder of those who do so. Are we seeking? Are we knocking? Are we looking for those things. Start with what you know and move forward. One of the most awesome uh, characters that we can observe in the Gospels, talking again about the master teacher, Jesus Christ, one that interacted with Jesus uh, that we can identify so much with, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a man of 
great integrity. He was a man uh, that Jesus uh, named several times. There is no one greater born amongst men. Uh, in Luke chapter 7, though, in verse 19, we see a little bit uh, of the humanity of John the Baptist here, that even a strong man such as John the Baptist can have doubts. Verse 19 of, John, of uh, Luke chapter 7, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Why did John have doubt here? He didn't doubt God, but he did have, in many ways, a misunderstanding about the plan of God. We know that John the Baptist was named several times as the one who prepared the way of the Lord, so he knew some of what Jesus was there to do, but evidently he did not understand fully what Jesus was there to do, so he still had some questions. So what did he do about his doubt? Again, asking questions. He didn't keep it pent up inside of him to where doubt just ate away at his mind, and he just drew back from Jesus. He drew back from his disciples. No, he was he sought after truth, and so he he asked those questions. Continuing in the text there, uh, in Luke chapter seven, verse twenty one says that that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. This is talking of Jesus now. And to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, talking to John's disciples, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So important for us to evaluate truth and not to be offended because of truth, not to be even embarrassed because of truth, but to accept it and to boldly proclaim it and to seek after it. John 3 and verse 21, but he who does the truth comes to the light, that is, that which reveals, that which sheds a clear path, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That's what we want to seek after. We want to seek after the light, not be a part of the darkness, but be a part of that which can clearly be seen. It's interesting, after John the Baptist's disciples went back and reported to John what he saw, and basically Jesus gave him evidence. He had questions, Jesus gave him evidence. He's the Son of God, he works miracles, he actually quoted scriptures. And it's interesting where Jesus, after his disciples have left, praised John. Are you listening to this, Christian? When you have doubts and go to Jesus with those doubts, you're not bad. <laughs> this is part of growth and, yes. and, and it pleases God. And in verse 23 of John 7, or at least verse 28, Jesus says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he was least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And so again, doubts handled properly is simply the standard process by which we grow. You know, Peter uh, is a great example of doubt, of doubt that sometimes would hit him. And sometimes at one time he did, he did fall and he came back. But I'm thinking of John 6 in particular, where 
there was this big crowd following Jesus, and Jesus's popularity ended because Jesus started teaching things to try to sort out these people who was sincere and who was not. Mm -hmm. And I don't mm -hmm. think the disciples fully understood that. But it's very interesting after Jesus challenged these people, and they walked away, and Jesus didn't go running after them, apologizing to them. No, he wanted them to open their hearts and make a choice, and they were making a choice. In John 6, 66, Jesus turned to, to his disciples, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? I love Peter here. He did, there's a lot of things he didn't understand. <laughs> We're going to see some messes he gets into. But you know what he did understand? Verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom we shall go, you have the words of eternal life. And by the way, he learned that by evidence. He had doubts, then came to know who Jesus is. And once you know who Jesus is, and you know you know who Jesus is, mm -hmm. then when you have other doubts, you know where to go. One of the things in parenting that's very important as we're raising children, don't be afraid of their questions. Yes. I can remember when I was in Charlottesville, one of my children came to me and said, well, I think you may have the wrong attitude toward those who are in immorality, homosexuality, and other things. And so I listened. I said, now, why would you say that? And we talked about it. We had good visits about it. And my child was come to understand exactly there's a moral standard, and we don't hate these people. Matter of fact, you know, every Christian to some degree has moral struggles. And so I won't go into that topic, except that I wanted my children to feel free to come to me with questions. Sometimes we react and get very emotional about that. We want to be able to teach others to pursue the light. And understand, though, God has written his word in a way. And the way Jesus worked his ministry, he will let us struggle with doubt. There are times that doubt, we need to spend some time in that. And there's more to learn. What I'm talking about is the difference between very shallow Christians and Christians who develop a deeper spirituality. Mm -hmm. The things that are going to allow us to go through the difficulties of life is when we reason through things and we know. Jesus put it this way in uh, Luke 6 and verse 48. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. I want God's word. I want reality. And God says, I'll bless you with that. When the floods come and beat upon your home, your foundation, it will stand. God's word is such a blessing. It's a standard there for everyone. I don't have to depend on somebody else's experience or somebody else's, you know, whatever testimony they may give of something that happened in their life. I can go to God's word that you can see, I can see. And God's word is powerful. In Isaiah 55 and verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he'll have mercy on him. And to our God, for he'll abundantly pardon. I want to see what is real. And many times it comes in my own life and things I need to see about me. That's why a lot of people run, Gabriel. They, they don't want to save their life. They don't understand the merciful God will help you and me to take the next steps wherever we are. And again, starting with God, when you start with God and you learn more about him and what he's about, then all of these or many of the questions that you might have, many of the doubts that you might have begin to wash away. 
because God answers those questions. Again, he doesn't shy away from those things. I think that's also important. But again, who are we identifying with? Identity. That is one of the buzzwords of today. Who do you identify with? What do you identify as? Our very identity as Christians should be founded upon God and founded upon his truths, not our own, not what, not what we want, not what we devise, but his truths. Psalm 63, really so many of the Psalms we could go to, but Psalm 63 in verse one, a Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. When you identify with God, you'll find yourself, when you truly identify with God and seek after him, then you'll become more like him. And that is a, that is a great truth. Now, again, in this passage, I emphasize some of the words there that are really brought out. Thirsts, longs for, looked, meditate. Again, what's highlighted here? Effort. Putting in effort. Thinking, constantly thinking. Meditation is mentioned here. Of course, we think in our, uh, in our own culture, meditation is the emptying of the mind. No, that is, that is the opposite that we find in, in scripture. Rather, it is the filling of the mind with good, true, and right things. Now, again, talking about uh, identity in the world, what do people identify with? Even those things that we see in our culture today that the world props up on a pedestal, those things can be quickly discarded by our culture because culture is constantly changing. One thing that's not changing is God and his principles. But the things, again, that this world identifies with can be quickly discarded. Jeremiah chapter 9 in verse 23 highlights some of these things. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Man's wisdom is not going to last. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Even a strong man can become weak. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising, notice here, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. When you know God, when you truly know him, you find that you want to be more like him and that you gladly accept what he gives you and that you want to do that for others. These are beautiful, beautiful truths. And I want to continue to emphasize the idea of knowing God and loving God. When you know God has all intent to give you and me the very best thing we need. And that makes it the point of giving us some hard truths. But we know that God has the power to protect us, the power to, to, to provide for us. When we love God, I oftentimes think of the blessing that I've had in my life in being married to my wife. I love her and she's influenced me greatly. Now, she's not my standard, but she does reflect the, the, the love of God in many ways and has great characteristics that have helped me. But when I think of God as being holy, being perfect, and then he loves me, 
I trust God. God will never lie to me. God will not stab, stab me in the back. Have you ever taken some time to just to talk to another person about what God is like? How long could you talk? If you were just to do a prayer and just talk about how much you love God and what he's like, how long would you pray? And I say this to my own shame. There's so much more to learn about God's character and love. In Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As we become to, to get closer to God, there's another important thing in this culture, Gable, that we see. A lot of people think that truth is just personal, your truth mm -hmm. and my truth, and there is no standard. Now, I'll tell you, when you hear stuff like that, that's the root is in atheism, and that root is in Satan himself, mm -hmm. where they want to deny all truths except certain truths that fall within their territory. But just, just briefly, when you see God speaking, there's one thing he wants us. He wants us to know him. And then you'll read about this, this, this term, you'll see it commonly in God's word, and that is truth or the truth. Just an example in 2 John 1, the elder to the elect lady and her children who I love in truth. And not only I, but all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth, as we receive commandment from the Father. Christian, don't be ashamed of God's standard. There are things that God has spoken, and when we understand that, that's truth. And it's absolutely right. Yes. And we've briefly mentioned him already, uh, but of course, the opposite of God. God wants us to find truth. He wants to give us truth. Satan wants to take that away. And Satan uses doubt to pull us into darkness. God has uh, perhaps one purpose, one goal in mind with doubt of us asking questions, us wanting to draw closer to him. And Satan wants to use that same doubt and pull us away from God. And so in many ways, the way he does this is taking advantage of our own personal sin, our own personal guilt, and creating doubt and emphasizing that doubt. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 10. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Notice here verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Brethren, we want to be so aware of what Satan is about. Of course, we've talked so much about we want to know truth, we want to be in the truth, we want to be associated with it. If you know the truth, then you can recognize the devices of Satan. I think that that is also so important. Uh, we could go to so many passages uh, in the wisdom literature, uh, Proverbs, Psalms, 
uh, Ecclesiastes. One I want to highlight here in the book of Job, uh, there's so much talked about of those who are in the pit. Job certainly found himself in the metaphorical pit so many times throughout this book, and he talks about that. Specifically in chapter 33, uh, Job says there, and he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. Verse 28, he has redeemed my soul from going down into the pit. Notice here, and my life shall look upon the light. How do you get out of the pit? How do you get out of the metaphorical pit? You look for the light. You look for truth. You look for what God has given. Look to his character once again. Uh, we've already mentioned this passage. I'll mention it briefly once more. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We have to have that kind of, uh, that kind of integrity, that kind of boldness in the face of the other lion, the prowling lion that is described as, as Satan. And some may be caught up in ongoing sin. They may try to run. They may try to hide from uh, their feelings of doubt, their feelings of guilt. They may even express doubt about matters that really, at, at their core, are not the real source of their pain. They might say, oh, God would, God would never forgive me for this. God would never, uh, would never relinquish me from this sin. No. If you, again, you look at the character of God, We've talked about this in previous episodes. Repentance, coming in the right attitude with the right motivation, he certainly will. Don't let Satan take you away from God. It's interesting. Sometimes I've seen people gabled with, with doubts about a question they obviously could see, and they still say they don't see it. Mm -hmm. And I found sometimes it's personal hurt yes. with someone else. And they have in their subconscious identified that doctrine with somebody they don't like. And therefore, they're not going to accept that doctrine. It's illogical. But the mind can be very illogical. And it's like somebody says, you know, you, the logic of anger is that you get mad at the dog and kick the cat. <laughs> you know, and here you get mad at a brother or some church that's hurt you, or some individual that hurt you. And now you want to reject any doctrine associated with that group. And you're not looking at God. Yes. And so deception is a big, big battle. Now, a lot of people, they don't want to know because they're getting praise from from others. They, they're, they're in pride in what they're doing. They're not going to give up because they have a relationship with men that they find a lot of reward in that. Mm -hmm. Pharisees were that way in John 5, 42. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I've come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And matter of fact, they, not, they rejected Jesus, even though the, it was obvious he was working miracles and they have been admitted it they still rejected him and then they tried to intimidate others not to accept jesus and you know what because others were afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue they in cowardice wouldn't confess jesus in john 12 42 nevertheless even among the rulers many believed in him but because of the pharisees they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they love the praise of man more than the praise of god you know some people they'll see what they think is a is a a, a consequence of a of a belief and they say we have doubts and what that is is cowardice and again you're living in darkness so many times people say they have doubts and you know what the problem is not a matter of evidence mm -hmm. it's a matter of the will
Right. I've sometimes asked people, if I could show you the evidence that Jesus is the Son of God, would you accept it? And then some people say, well, no. I said, well, in that case, your problem's not a matter of the mind, but mm -hmm. of the will. Mm -hmm. Why do we doubt? We want to now talk further, and it will be our next podcast. I want to talk to you about how Satan's disciples, and I mean Satan's disciples, will use our doubts and will magnify that to create division and anger. You, one of the great challenges that Christians face is there are those who peddle doubt in order to plant anger and bitterness. We're going to talk about that in our next podcast. We appreciate you being with our, our study today. Hope you can join us in the next episode. We want to continue to talk about the danger and the value of doubt. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast to be helpful or encouraging, please consider following and subscribing or leave a rating or a review. If you have questions about anything from the episode or any other Bible questions, you can reach out to us at ncvchurch at gmail.com. We hope that you'll join us next time as we lay another stone in the foundation of truth that God has given us. God bless you.